0: Welcome to Theology.fm, a theology podcast to make your life in theology look more like Jesus. Let me ask you when someone starts talking to you about theology, what is your initial reaction? Some people get excited, other people get nervous, a few, though, get upset. Why is that? Why do some people get upset when they hear discussions about theology or hear people talking about theology? It's because sometimes theology has been used as a weapon, as an instrument of destruction or manipulation or even control. But as we're going to see in today's show, theology is not a cuss word. It's simply thinking and talking about God so that we become more like Jesus Christ. Today's episode of Theology.fm is brought to you by Logos Bible Software. Look, I don't know if you've ever used Logos before. I've told you before, I told you in the last episode, I use it all the time in my Bible study and theology research. Did you know they have a free core engine? If you haven't, have never used it, you can go to Logos and just search for their core engine. It's free, and that way you can download it for free, no charge. Every month, they make a, 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 one of their resources. Sometimes it's a commentary. Sometimes it's a Bible study reference tool. Sometimes it's a concordance or a, a version of the Bible. It's just a book sometimes. But every month, they make a resource free, and you can download it then. And so over the course of a couple months or years, you'll have several volumes, several books in your free core engine. You'll never have uh, paid anything. That way, you can get, get used to it and start using it and see the power of Logos Bible Software. I highly recommend, though, At the very minimum, you start with their starter package. Um, It includes all sorts of resources, over $3,000 of value, okay? And they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you get it and you try it and you don't like it within 30 days, just call them up and get your money back, no questions asked. So that's Logos Bible Software. Oh, and if you do make a purchase of that starter package, use my coupon code, JMyers6 you'll get 15% off your purchase. Now let's get on with the show. One of the goals of Theology.fm is to broaden the conversation about God, Church, Scripture, And theology, and and basically invite a wide variety of people into the room so we can learn from each other and see things from other perspectives. And so toward that end, I have specifically chosen to invite a variety of voices to contribute to the Theology.fm show. Um, The last episode was by pastor of a church a larger church, and he's an author. But not all of the shows, not all of the contributors to Theology to FM will be pastors. And uh, so today, for example, I'm having a guest who used to pastor a church, but he has been outside of institutional Christianity for several decades now, and he follows Jesus in a a day-to-day relational setting. In fact, did you know that the fastest growing demographic among Christians today is those people who no longer attend a formal church gathering on Sunday morning. This doesn't mean they've stopped believing in God or have turned their back on Jesus or anything like that. No, quite to the contrary, they have stopped attending church on Sunday morning so that with the specific purpose of better following Jesus in a relational way, among their friends and family and coworker and neighbors okay so this is why it is so important for both types of christians to communicate with each other about scripture and theology both those who are very active in the sunday morning gathering of the church and those who are not And typically we tend to look down our noses at each other, maybe even condemn, criticize, judge each other. And that is just not healthy and it's not helpful. What is better is to recognize that each of us are serving in the kingdom of God in various ways, doing what Jesus has called us to do, following Jesus into the world to serve those that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. And uh, so that's the best approach, and that's why I am inviting voices from both sides of Christianity into Theology.fm. Last week, as I said, we had a voice from Brian Zond, who is a pastor of a traditional-style church. So today, we're getting a voice from the other side, from a man named Wayne Jacobson. Uh, Wayne is definitely outside of institutional Christianity, but I really love his approach because he never condemns those who are still within institutional or traditional Christianity. His podcast, The God Journey, it's always loving, kind, gracious. Uh, He seeks to encourage everybody, whether they attend a Sunday morning gathering or not. In fact, oftentimes churches invite him to come speak in their church, and he is more than happy to do that. That's because his goal is to help people follow Jesus in more relational, intimate, and loving ways. In today's show, Wayne reminds you that whether or not you participate in a large group Sunday morning gathering, theology is still vitally important. All followers of Jesus, whether they participate in a Sunday morning gathering or not, they have a theology which can be recognized, refined, and even have parts of it redeemed. And how is this done? It's by growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, fellowshipping with other believers, and keeping in tune with the Holy Spirit. All of this is is what Wayne talks about in his episode today. Now, just in case you've never heard of Wayne Jacobson, he has been on a lifelong journey to understand what it means to live in the love of the Father. And he helps other people travel along this road as well. He's written numerous books and articles, including He Loves Me. His most recent is Finding Church, which was is an excellent book. And my personal favorite so you don't want to go to church anymore. If you've never heard of those books, I highly recommend you check out all three. He has numerous other books as well. Wayne, though, you probably have definitely heard of one project he was involved in, and uh, he helped the international best-selling book, The Shack, see the light of day. You can contact Wayne through his website, livestream.org, visit his podcast at thegodjourney.com, or he's also on Facebook, Twitter. Links to all of those sites will be in the show notes, at theology.fm slash waynejacobson slash o2. Now, with all that in mind, let's get on with what Wayne Jacobson says today. Outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less traveled into the heart of the Father's affection. Slinging freedom all over the place. This is The God Chant. The, God June, the God
1: Boy, it doesn't seem like there's any place left in the world where I don't get news about some catastrophe or tragedy going on there but I don't think of people I know who live there my heart goes out to them that's true of the earthquakes in nepal and that's true of the flooding in Texas this last week and man I, my heart goes out to all of you I, I hope you' all are safe and doing well and finding ways to help your neighbors who uh, are kind of got I guess a bigger need than they know how to deal with and Man, I wish there was some way to get some of that water in Texas out to California. Maybe maybe we ought to consider putting some hydraulic jacks on the East Coast so that if uh, we need some water out here, you could just jack up that into the country and let water kind of flow this way rather than going out into the um, Gulf of Mexico. Or uh, if we get too much out here, we could pump it up uh, on the West Coast and put it out your way. But unfortunately... We haven't worked that out. So from the drought-parched hillsides of Southern California. Hi, I'm Wayne Jacobson. This is The God Journey. And yeah, we're dry out here. People are worried about us and whether we've got enough water. Well, right now we've got enough water, but we're all trying to conserve all kinds of it. And Sarah's conserving everywhere except the garden. We are making the garden still a priority. So that means we're saving water just about everywhere else we can and putting in the kind of watering out there that uh, uses the minimal amount of water to keep her garden lush. But uh, right now, we at least got enough water for that. Well, today I want to finish up the uh, conversation we started with uh, Dr. Bob Stamps, a uh, good friend of mine, college chaplain when I was in university, a voice in my life for 43 years. And uh, we continued our conversation about drawing that line to the center the the depth of the incarnation and how Christ alive in us is what keeps us grounded and satisfied in Him. Let's pick up that conversation where we left off a couple of weeks ago, and then I'll come back for some comments on the backside.
2: We're we're always with our brother Jesus Christ.
1: I yeah. love that. Yeah. I, and that's the life we share in whatever way we and wherever we are in the world. Yeah, so it doesn't condone evil things. It it imbues all of life with his reality yeah.
2: you know you know it's fun we talked about this on a podcast a long time ago but i remember i remember in seminary one day a professor saying what how does it change your mind about about god and your life if 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 christ would would have come and celebrate the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, His Supper, with you at your table. And we we were kind of startled in class, and he said, well, that was the way it was for a hundred years in the church. What would it mean to you as a woman that, that the very table where you cut the onions and your child spilled the milk, and you and your husband had a terrible argument but got reconciled there, that that was the table that Jesus comes and stands there and shares his life under the signs of bread and wine. The holiest thing that Christians do is to celebrate together their life with his at the dining room table.
0: What what difference does that
2: make? Like I, okay. I asked that question one time at a, at a home meeting, at a home uh, gathering, and she said it would change everything. That the, the most common place would become the holiest place of all. Now that's the incarnation. And really, whether or not that's practiced, Jesus visits us at our table in the common place. That the commonest place would become the sacred place. That, and, you know, even the language of this, and I teach this at school, and and, and our people are people that go to church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, but I t- teach them, it really isn't, it isn't uh, uh, us going to the Lord's table, that's a misnomer, or going into the Lord's house to the Lord's table. Where is that in the Bible? Right. It's just not there. It, Christ comes to the world's table, to my table, to share my meal and, and, and makes my meal. The early church actually had a meal, uh, not just bread and wine. The bread might have been at the beginning of the meal, the wine at the last, the first bite of bread, the last sip of wine. That might have been this, the, the, the Eucharist, but, but this kind of the special aspect of the Eucharist, but the whole meal, was that. And it what, Jesus didn't bring the meal from heaven. It was our meal that he consecrated, our fellowship yeah. that became the church at that table, at that time. It changes everything. Yeah. I think one of the big things that changes, it, the, the scripture comes to mind What you're
1: talking about is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If he's in my home, if he's with me at on the job where I am, if he's then if he's in all of life, then we have hope that we're not just victims of whatever the course of the world is around us. No, that we get. I love the way Eugene Peterson expresses it in in his book, The Message. That thing about God, Jesus ascending to the right hand of God the Father, and all things will be subdued under His feet. He, he translates that. Jesus gets the last word on everyone and everything. And to me, that's where hope comes from. He doesn't have it yet. He doesn't have it today. He doesn't have the last word on everything, but he will. Everything that concerns me, everything about my life, he will get the last word on it. And my hope for glory is not how disciplined Wayne can be, how hard Wayne can work. It's that Christ is with me. And he takes me, as you said, to the Father. So I'm with him with the Father. Right. And that's all the hope we need for whatever has got to be tweaked in us, transformed in us, healed in us. Yeah. Right there.
2: The one thing I don't want anybody to think who, who might be listening today is that that is a matter of distance. You get the idea that we kind of go up with Jesus to the right hand of God. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the presence of all that right now, like you said. It, it, I just I don't I don't want anybody to think that Jesus took a big trip. He didn't have to go anywhere.
1: Or that he gets us and takes us uh, to heaven yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah a couple yeah, yeah, hours. And, the heaven, back, it's, yeah. it's, it's and like, I know
2: people who talk that way. Oh, they go to what? heaven to do whatever yeah. with Jesus. Yeah, really? Yeah, he's right here. Yeah. He's, and he's right here yeah. in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all that is present to us right now. Yeah, I don't know anybody who talks about it like this, but we are. <laughs> yeah, and that's when you
1: talk about the line to the
2: center yeah
1: is that is that one of the crux points at the center? It's the recognition of the in it's really the living Jesus and who he is and what all that means in our life. And if we lose sight of
2: that, then
1: we spin out of the margins. We're not just on the margin. We go
2: we, we on the sail margin out out of space. into this spiritual spiritualist. Uh, stratosphere, the, out to the ether. <laughs> out to the, yeah. but you know what we haven't said right now. And if people aren't grounded, let's go back to
1: if okay. people aren't grounded in that, they don't even know when they're in the spiritual ether. If they're just living by their feelings about X, Y, or Z, and there's there's no grounding to truth, not just capital T truth, Jesus. That's part of it. Yeah, but it's also the truth that He spoke, and the truth that grounds us in something more real than our latest feelings
2: right and, and and also that i, I think that people don't, don't. are i think that people are, are are who are seeking god uh the the thing that's going to satisfy them is at the center it this other saying is it's um it's extra curricular it doesn't you don't need all those things at the margin they some of them are very pleasant and but but they're not necessary, and they're not and they're not eternal they're temporal. You no. may get a buzz from it,
1: but you've got to no. keep amping it up to get a better buzz, right, just like a drug or whatever and that's what I think spins us out of the margin. We get addicted to the thing to the feeling, and we lose that attachment or we or we never had it, we never had this attachment to Jesus right. that supplies everything. So that we don't have to get lost in
2: the I, periphery. I'm reminded of something we probably talked about many years ago, and I've never—I I, I don't think I've repeated this for 15 years. But it's the love of the gift more than the giver. Yeah. You know, it's—it is—it yeah. is really the gift. Let me say one thing about that center, though. or not the gift. Yeah, not, yeah the it's not, the, it's not the gifts. It's not the—it's not the gifts. It's the him. giver that would and that's the center. Yep. The giver. One thing we haven't said today is. Uh, Incarnation is a result of something else. You know, the incarnation doesn't just arrive arise from the incarnation, but it arises from the heart of God. You know, what does God want in this world? He wants us. And we'll talk about this in another podcast, but uh, worship is the way God wants us. A relationship with him is what God wants. And it, not just me, but us. That's the church. God wants us together in right relationship with him. And worship puts us in that right relationship. And I don't want to go that direction yet, but what, what has inspired, what caused the incarnation? God so loved the world that he came, sent his only begotten son. And he didn't just send Jesus on a spaceship. He sent Jesus the, to, to the very womb, the, the second person of the Trinity, in the very womb of the, Mary, to join himself like this to sell, that he could fi- that he finds us and, and brings us home at his own hand, in his flesh and blood. He, he comes as a human being to draw all human beings in his train. That's Ephesians. In his train to the Father, to ascend with Him. So, whatever you say, all of this theology doesn't begin in a lot of homework that these early church fathers were doing. Everything arises out of the heart of God and descends from the heart of God to gather His people Amen. to Himself.
1: But the work they were doing. I used a term yesterday when we were talking about this. It was, it was like joining a conversation that has gone on with our forebears. I mean, that's right. really what the creeds attaches right. to. And there, there's value. It's not just hey, all the dead guys got it right and nobody's thinking anything worth anything oh, today. No, not, we've been thinking about it ever since. But it's the conversation that it embeds us in. That as the common story of our faith. And to me, that's what I love about the historic faith of Christianity, that if we lose sight of it, it's just, well, the Holy Spirit's in us today and that's, that's good enough. It is good enough, but there's a bigger conversation going on that ensures yeah. we stay grounded in what the Holy Spirit's really doing and not get lost in the figments of our own imagination. Right.
2: I like to say it this way. We are all the beneficiaries of the benefactor who is the church. The church is the one who has, the historic church of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the first centuries of the church. This was a hugely important thing, or or, or lest we go off and and all the mistakes that they made in the beginning are are made again. The the, the Dutch have a great way, way of saying this, that the devil always sort of poops in the same pile. He'll repeat himself over and over and over and over again with all the mistakes. He doesn't. He's not really a creator, so he's not very original. So over and over and over and again, we're pretty church, gullible, and we're all so. oh, we're gullible is <laughs> so not. He, does, you know. he doesn't need a lot of creativity. Oh, yeah. yeah, but over and over again, it'll be said, and uh, and 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 the mistakes will be made. But the church, all the mistakes were made already, and so what we end up doing, we we need to hold the center so that we won't go off into the margins without the center. But we can, we can fly the margins, but we really need to hone the center always. And the center out of the love of God who descended, and that's what we've talked about today, in Jesus Christ, into human flesh, so that, that all of life can be sanctified. And that we know how close, this is interesting too, that we know how deep God has loved us. God has loved us right down to our humanity. And sanctified that by His own assumption of that in the in the in the incarnation. It's a it's it's just even at our most
1: broken. Not when we aspire to all His goodness and you know or healing. Yeah. That that love that connection with us is at our most broken. I'll find you there, and now let me walk you out of that and transform it.
2: This morning I was talking to a young man who was dying of cancer. And and unless God heals him, super supernaturally intervenes, he'll be in heaven probably this time next year. And this young man—we're talking about a boy, nineteen years old. This young man was was struggling with this, but it was this very concept. You talk about the brokenness now. I'm talking about uh, the, the the disease, and that's a brokenness, a physical brokenness, physical brokenness, a physical brokenness. And he, his comment was. But one thing, even though he'll, he, he does not understand the problem of pain, he's not going to be satisfied with simple little answers blaming it on Adam somewhere. He's, he, and he there's no answer except Job's answer, finally. He, he, he said this, finally I'll see God and I'll understand. But in the meantime, what do I see? I see God in Christ in my suffering. And walking into my death, the death that all of us will will have to walk into, but through that death, in into everlasting life through the resurrection. And this is what he said: that we are the, the Christianity is the only religion that has that. They they in Buddhism, you just you you just uh, submit to the changes of humanity you submit to it. In Islam, you submit to the fatalism of Allah. Christianity is the only one that has a God who suffers with us. And there's, there's what, back to what you said. That's in our brokenness. And that's the incarnation. God comes to suffer with us.
1: And that's the hope
2: of it all. Oh, it's the hope. But just
1: one question. I just the theology, that you, the, the creeds, that, whole, that underpinning we have, one, one of the strange things about it is it hasn't protected us or even our institutions from going off the circuit anyway. I mean, some of the groups that quote those creeds end up like Catholicism in the time of Luther. They end up way off the track. What, what do you what do you say about I mean, because it's not the guard alone,
2: right? Or is it? Uh, it's not a guard, you really. You can believe it's the It's a whole. source. And the Bible, same way. I mean, just don't, just don't blame it on the creeds. You know, oh, the, the, every cult has the Bible and thinks they've got the understanding exactly. of it. Yeah. All the creed is... All, all a creed is, is a, is a collective consensus by Christians over 2,000 years that, that this is the essential truth, and we don't vary from that. The creed, Christ, the creed isn't something separate from no, the
1: Bible. No, I'm just saying quoting it alone doesn't guarantee oh, you following it. no, That's it doesn't. That's
2: yeah. the here, here's the thing. All Christianity, Christianity uniquely is a conversation with God from the bible in the light of the creeds but we still get off the creeds are the bible are not the guarantee that's the they're the center but we'll we'll continue, remember a conversation we'll still misunderstand god and we'll vary from what god says and we'll go off here and go off there that's why we need good teachers to always keep us back to the center and by the way if you have somebody, if you're listening to somebody, and and going off on this teaching or that teaching, always question it in light of what the center is. Is it? The, 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 Wouldn't you say? Because we talked about telling the center as the incarnation, or the, there's more I, to it than that. But we, I know,
1: on but that. I would say the Bible and the creeds speak to that center. But isn't the center itself? Would you? How would you respond
2: to that? Uh, that's, that's good. Remember the creed is a statement about the Bible. And you don't separate right, the two. Right. But the Bible, and here's, here's the answer to what you're saying, is a statement about God. Yeah. The, Bi- the Bible is God speaking. I like a, a theologian said one time, the Bible is the word about the word. There's still the speaking word of God, and that's the center. We're now see how we're kind of going down in a funnel, and right down at the bottom of the funnel is even beneath the Bible is a speaking God who wants to be heard by humanity, who's speaking to be heard, to be known. There it is again, to be known. It's the love of God. It's God in love with the human race, giving us enough to know that we might know him.
1: Yeah. I I think maybe this is the same quote used earlier. The Bible isn't the truth, capital
2: T. It's the
1: truth about the truth.
2: About the truth. (laughs) I
1: love that. Yeah, the word about
2: the word. I I, I love that. And that way we're not bibliologists. Right. We don't. We're, we don't. You can make the Bible an idol. Yep. And by the way, if, if we make the word, the Bible an idol, we the Bible we will be judged for idolatry. Yeah. I hope I haven't been too complicated. Whatever yeah. Because I've just come back last week. I was talking to young theologues at seminary. <laughs> but last time you were here, we were talking about a book you
1: were working on for communion, and people keep asking me. So I going to
2: use this opportunity to castigate you.
1: No. Uh, we're still talking about doing that someday, getting that done, but you've gotten a bit sidetracked, and I don't want you to talk about it because you will not stop for three hours, I know. He's working on a historical fiction about the Civil War that I'm completely engaged in and love it. Can't wait till it's done. So I, I've been here for a couple of days hanging out. We're just pushing the book down the road a bit further, but really excited about what you're doing, and it has put the communion book on hold, but you tell me you get back to it someday.
2: Well, I, I won't, I won't just say that. I have made a covenant with Wayne. I don't make uh, covenants, brother. Yeah, I know, brother. But but if <laughs> I don't. Uh, by the way, I want to talk about the covenant sometime. That'll be we uh, might. But, yeah. But uh, not today. But if um, I promise Wayne that if 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 we can continue to work together and I can he can kind of be an over in uh, oversight over this novel I'm writing, uh, that I promise him that before we stop, we will not stop till that book on the Eucharist is written. Not any kind of heavy theology, but not without theology. But we'll write that book on the Eucharist. Um, or you will, and I'll get to yeah. just walk alongside Can I just you. say one I'm not really
1: oversighting this book
2: either. I'm just walking alongside you, brother. Yes, you are, brother. You're <laughs> oversighting I'm <it>.
1: not. You're,
2: <laughs> you're reading it. It's time for me to leave, reading. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Oversight
1: that, contains authority. Yeah, well, it's, a,
2: it's the word bishop, in it? episcopas.
1: Yeah, but we perverted that word too, but that's another conversation. Yeah, it's,
2: it's a book, it, it, real simple. It's just a book about a boy and, a, and a, uh, two boys, a black child and a, a, a white child who were born three days apart. On a, plane, on a big farm in Alabama, unhappily born during the days of slavery, even more unhappily uh, born during as, as the Civil War was encroaching upon this country, and how they had to handle their relationship uh, before the war, yeah. during the war as they were together as, as servant and master actually in, in war itself, and then after the war, as two free men in New York. It's going it's don't a Don't worry man, time. we'll have
1: you back when we get it done and people can actually read it. We don't want to frustrate them too much. Thanks for your time today, brother. I Thanks, appreciate love. you a lot. Thanks I love for you. Coming love to you. Your We've luck.
2: known each other by the way for uh 43 fi- years. Uh, almost 50 years. Forty-three. I'm I married. I married Wayne and Sarah, so I know them. Uh, I know Wayne about as well as anybody, but his kin.
1: He's known us a long time, and you know what the marriage took. We're still at it forty years later.
2: So you should have heard what I he said so. about Sarah yesterday. He talked about his his uh, darling wife, Sarah. What, how they've gone through many things together and love each other more than they ever dreamed they could.
1: True enough. Love that woman.
2: Yeah, I'm, we got into more
1: of that uh, Civil War book than I wanted to. It is quite a read. I tell you, as I've been home thinking about that book, uh, and I do almost every day, because I fell in love with the characters in it, and even though I've I've read less than a tenth of what the book is going to be eventually, uh, man, I am endeared to those characters, kind of interested in how their lives sort out in the journey, and I guess that's what a good novel does. What I love about my life with Bob, as I said, a, a 43-year voice in my life, a voice of uh, a man I respect, whose knowledge... Uh, and depth of study in theology is far deeper than I'll ever get to. And I, and I hope when we listen to someone like that talk, the, the passion in our heart, boy, I wish I knew it that well, and what, what hope will I ever have, and I'll never. I don't think that's why there are people in the body of Christ that study and breathe and live it to that degree. It's not so that we all will. It's that so their voice in the conversation adds to, the things God's doing and teaching and showing in me, what I love about the way He shares, and that, partly because uh, we're we're just a, a podcast, it's just He and I talking in a living room when it happened. But what I think, what what He demonstrates in that, and our in our talking together, is what a real teacher is. It's someone who has knowledge, but that knowledge is to enlighten, not belittle. It's not to trump other people. And I know more than you, so shut up and listen to me he really sees that sense of good theology and learning some of it as a gift to the body of Christ, a gift where that voice and voices like him in conversations about your journey are incredibly helpful. And yet he still trusts underneath that the Spirit and the conversations among brothers and sisters. Defining theology is a conversation about God with brothers and sisters through the ages. I I just don't know what isn't beautiful about that. Certainly, there are people who only live by doctrine and bash doctrine down people's heads and these narrow-line definitions of things about which no one knows for sure. That's that's theology at its worst. Theology at its best is a living conversation between brothers and sisters that have spanned 2,000 years of history as we're sorting out who God is and how he works in us. And the, even the reality that we, we, we've gotten it wrong before, we'll get it wrong again. But that passion to keep coming back to the center, to hold to the center, which I think we wasn't just that you quote a creed. The center is the knowing of Christ in your life, the incarnation, Jesus alive and real on the planet, in you, in your life, drawing you. And that doesn't make... Scripture is irrelevant, doesn't make creeds irrelevant, it just helps them undergird that growing journey. And what I love about it too is, and this is, un- unfortunately we have little example of this today in in, uh, in the body of Christ, and that is the knowledge of Scripture and the gift of te- teaching separated from any kind of external authority. You have to believe me because I am your teacher slash pastors slash leaders slash anointed one slash whatever. <laughs> There's no authority externalized in that. The authority is, if what I'm saying is true, it carries weight. And if what I'm saying is not true, it doesn't carry weight. And how important that conversation is to be among the body of Christ. I I had lunch today with a a man who's been in ministry for some 43 years with a parachurch church organization, and we talked both about our mutual passion, especially to see the wealth of wisdom that's in older brothers and sisters being all but lost to the body of Christ today. Because the passion in the body of Christ is for the newest, latest entertainment, fancy speaker, wordsmith, guy that can stand up, tell a great story, and entertain everybody. And older people on the journey are not necessarily slated for that kind of entertainment but the depth of their knowing of God and how they can come alongside people on a journey and how we unpack that. And then the other side of that is how do we, who are older brothers on this journey, he and I, how do we help encourage the younger brothers and sisters? And I don't mean the 20-year-olds the that are still out to build a kingdom for themselves that we all did when we were in our 20s. you got to somehow get past that enough. But those may be in their tw- 30s and 40s who are saying, you know what, I, I believe God has gifted me to help others grow. I've studied the scriptures. I have things, and one of the laments, the person I had lunch with today and I have both had about this journey is, it seems like just about the time when you have something really valuable to pass on to others, you don't have any others to pass it on to, that you found yourself outside those old structures of you know, building an audience and uh, the pastorpreneurship of gathering a group and obligating them and teaching them. You're kind of outside that. And so people ask me all the time, you know, I feel like I have more to share. I just don't have anybody to share it with. And you know, I want to help. That's, I think, both of us, and I, we didn't have any great answers, but the the conversation is, how do we bring that together? How do people who feel gifted find an audience without resorting to the tactics of the world? Whether it's the pastpreneurship of building a, a congregation so that I'll have someone to teach, or uh, trying to build a website that increases dependency or a workbook that gets somebody to school that I do, or those kinds. Of, but how do we take the wisdom that God has among the body of Christ and find ways to share that that is a gift, that's not something somebody has to have, but is a blessing in their life to have that kind of thing happen? Sarah and I, interestingly enough, were reading Galatians 1 yesterday. We are Right now, working through all of Paul's letters, Sarah and I, we read together in a daily way these days in our life. We haven't always done that, but we're doing it right now. Working through Paul's letters in order of how he wrote them, which you can get that from the Jesus lens if you don't know what that is. There's charts and diagrams that will do that. So we're reading them in order of Paul's shaping theology and what he's learning. Not, not Again, don't read it as a rule book. Read it as a brother in a conversation about who God is and how we begin to discover the reality of that life. And in the course of reading it, Paul's Galatians one's a pretty autobiographical section of him coming to, to salvation, and then being off in Arabia for three years, and then comes back to Jerusalem, and he says this, and I love this, he said, uh, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I didn't see any of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and I'm sure I'm writing you no lie. And he, it was interesting... As he goes up there, he said three years to sort out how deeply loved by God he is, uh, whatever else God's teaching him, because he, he always talked about his teaching being a revelation, not, he didn't go to a seminary and get a list of things to teach people, but he had a discovery with Jesus, and that discovery taught him things, and he comes back to share it with Peter. He does again in chapter 2, which uh, Sarah and I haven't read yet, but we'll read it tomorrow, Uh or today actually, chapter two kind of pushes that story. After another 14 years, he comes back and wants to know if he hasn't labored in vain. And uh, what I love about this, first of all, can you imagine 15 days with Peter? Let's Let's just stop right there. Man, I get to stay at Peter's house 15 days and ask him what I want to ask him and discover what I need to discover I, gee whiz, I think that's valuable, so valuable. I know for me right now, and I I don't mind going, uh, traveling a bit and sitting in rooms with 40, 50 people and having a discussion about God and life and whatever, but the better part of that comes when either before it, I was in Denver recently, and I had two people on the two days I was there, asked if they could have some personal time with me, and the schedule allowed me to go instead of, since I was living downtown with the couple I was with... I'd walk downtown, meet him somewhere, we'd sit down have a couple of hours to talk, and then we'd come back to a larger room with people and talk some more. And I both have their place. I'm not dissing one over the other. But what I love most is the time we had just one-on-one, the time we had just talking. Can you imagine having that with Peter? But seriously. And whatever Paul's got to learn, whatever he's got to know, and what you hear in the first two chapters of Galatians is, I think— A wonderful balance. He he didn't go to Peter saying, I got to get all the right answers from Peter. But he went to have a conversation with Peter about the revelation he's had, and the revelation Peter's had, and his understanding of Jesus from his time with him. And there's this living conversation with the sense of, I'm looking for what I'm growing in to be affirmed, or even possibly what I've grown in to be exposed as flights of my own fancy. Man, that just, the humility of that's outstanding to me. I, I watch young guns who, who want to have a voice and want to have a ministry and, you know, write stuff and try and teach stuff and try and find something unique and exciting enough to draw people to their website and, and, you know, brand themselves in some way. And what they're teaching, is you know a lot of it is really good, and then a lot of it, and particularly the, the the keynote, the thing they're using to make themselves distinctive, often pushes them into the weeds, theological weeds. I mean, things that aren't quite true. And I thought, man, if if brothers like that would take the time to sit down with an older brother or sister on this journey, if sisters like that would take the time to say, you know what? I've, I've got this thought, this revelation from Christ, kind of comes from these scriptures, kind of comes from this. I, I want to run it by an older guy in the kingdom and just see if it passes muster. And, and I don't mean that as I need to get approval from somebody somewhere. I hope you're hearing that. I, I've had, fortunately, throughout my whole journey, whether it was Bob when I was in college, whether it was Dave Coleman when I was in Visalia, whether it's brothers and sisters across the world from Australia and Ireland and others that I've been able to sit with, New Zealand, and ask them questions about what they've read that I've written. What is it that doesn't sound right to you? I've had this ongoing conversation with people, not because I don't believe the Holy Spirit can't speak to me, but because I believe that we each know and see in part. And in that conversation with other people, not just sitting in teachings and listening to people lecture me about what they think I should know, but actually having that engagement of conversation that allows us to drill down a little bit and discover, oh, I seem to be on the right track here. And they, that there's affirmation of that in the conversation. Or, man, it's maybe I'm pointed to a more excellent direction, as, as Apollos was willing to understand from... uh who was uh, Ananias and Sapphira, how about Priscilla and Aquila? That might be it. Sat down with them, and they pointed him to a more excellent direction. He hadn't heard some things that was important for him to hear, and it would help shape the message some. If If he could have the humility to listen. I'm hoping for more of that conversation in the twilight years of my life. I I less want to lecture people. I less want to do the teachings and conversations that put me at the center, and I'm more am am hungering and enjoying those conversations that put me beside younger brothers and sisters who are really ready to that they've lived the journey, learning to live love, and they're really in a place now. I want to help others live in that reality. I want to help others discover. And I'm, I'm not promising everyone 15 days with Wayne Jacobson, but I, I hope there's time that we get to sit down and there's the, not just, Wayne, tell me what you need to tell me, but, but say, Wayne, this is what I'm thinking, and this is what I'm hearing, and I want to bounce it off of you. And, and don't just give me the voice that says you're right or wrong, but explore together. And even if we part in disagreement still, We're both benefited by the conversation that allows the Holy Spirit more space to open up the doors that he wants for us. And then we were discussing this from Second Timothy 4. I think it's a fascinating scripture because Paul talks as he writes to Timothy, the time will come when people will not put up with what's true, why not sound doctrine, but instead to suit whatever it is that they want to hear their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You know, when I read that verse, I remember reading that, man, back when I was 19, 20, reading that scripture. I'm going, this makes no sense. Where in our culture do people gather teachers around themselves? It it doesn't happen. Teachers do the gathering. There's there's more people per teacher than there are teachers per person. So it's not people gathering teachers. Teachers gather people. And up, up, up until the last 10 years... I don't even know how the scripture could come to pass, but when Paul talks about it, the time will come, he's not even saying it's happening in his day. If he's not envisioning the internet or, and I don't think he sees that in his head, but what the spirit's leaning to in his heart is the day's coming when you're not under teaching of some kind. You really genuinely get to sit down at your desk or couch and troll the internet and find whatever teacher teaches things the way you want to hear it. And you can gather a great number of those around you by this incredible thing we call the internet, which provides some great resources that I utilize all the time. But it does put a greater burden on each of us to determine what's sound, what's true, not just what I like. And I think that's a distinction Paul's getting to. If you just want to find what makes you feel good and you troll for your beliefs based on, I want to feel good, you're going to end up in the weeds. But if you troll the internet for what is it that's true, who is God really? How does he want me to relate to him? What's real about that? What's not real? How does he transform me? How do I participate in that process? And he says, you know, the time's going to come when people are just going to turn aside. They're going to just want to feel whatever they want. This conversation about finding the center, living in the center, being in conversations through the whole of our lives with brothers and sisters who are also discovering it. That's why I've loved these last three weeks just talking a bit about theology. We don't do it much here, and you may not hear it again for another 10 years. But uh, to spend these three days and say, these are the conversations that matter. I hope the God journey is a part of that. Uh, I know it is as people interact through blogs, comments and emails and other things i get I get lots of input back from others, so we get a bit of a conversation here. but the best obviously is not it's fifteen days in Peter's house. My goodness if there's anything uh, there's I, I would I would love to have been a fly on that wall, and what would come of it in helping shape what Paul ends up passing on to the body of Christ in the world? Because our passion has to be, not just, I, I, I want to find what makes me comfortable. I want to find what's true. And as, as Bob says, what's at the center is what really satisfies. That's what we're really looking for. And if we just find something that tickles our itching ears, you know what? Six months from now, that will fade away and you'll be looking again. But when you find that which is the center, who he is, how he makes himself known to you and you'll be satisfied every day of your life.
0: Jeremy Myers is here again. I love theology. and So while I know that theology is sort of a Christian cuss word for some people, I've always understood that everybody's a theologian, whether they recognize it or not. Even people who have never had a thought about God, they are reflecting a particular theology. So in my opinion, the best thing to do is whatever you think about theology, the best thing to do is first admit you have a theology, number one, but then seek to understand and refine your theology by interacting with other people through conversations, books, sermons, discussions, blogs, podcasts, I mean, you name it. It's a wide variety of sources that you can use to understand your theology and then refine it so that ultimately your theology looks more like Jesus. So what are your thoughts about theology? Do you enjoy reading, studying, learning theology, or is it more of a cuss word for you? I'd really appreciate your input, your insight, your ideas on theology and what Wayne Jacobson discussed in this podcast. Again, you can go to the show notes, leave a comment, it's theology.fm slash Wayne Jacobson slash O2. I imagine, of course, if you're listening to a podcast from a website called theology.fm, you're probably someone who likes theology. Someone who enjoys reading about theology and studying theology, maybe even teaching theology. If that's the case, I wonder do you know anybody who doesn't like theology? Uh, I invite you to recognize that the, probably the reason they have that view of theology is that they have been burned or damaged or hurt by theologians or pastors in the past. So don't judge or condemn them simply because they say they don't like theology. Just continue to love them. That's going to represent your theology to them if you're listening to this for some reason you're listening to theology.fm and you hate theology well i'd be curious to know what you thought about wayne's explanation of the term and how it's important for all followers of jesus to recognize the existence of their theology but more important than that to center their theology on the person and work of jesus christ so i invite you to leave your comments as well in the show notes beneath the show notes And also, uh, go and leave a rating review at iTunes. That's really going to help other people find this this podcast, subscribe to it, and they can benefit too from hearing from these voices, these podcasters, these pastors from around the country and even around the world. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode of Theology.fm.